The Blue Bloods are back with more college football content for you guys. We start the episode off by discussing whether LSU really deserves a top five ranking going into the 2020 season. We then discuss if we agree with the current college football coaches and assistants on which incoming freshmen will make the biggest impact next season. And then we debate whether there is really an SEC bias in college football. We wrap up the episode with a little bit of draft coverage. We talk about whether teams should consider tanking next season for Trevor Lawrence. And if there is a QB that the New England Patriots can really target this year to replace Tom Brady. We have our most packed show in a while, so let's kick it off. So we're going to start with LSU, of course. We can't get rid of them. Uh, the sports world at a standstill, but NCAA.com thought it'd be a perfect time to release their preseason top 25 for the 2020 season last week. Ob- obviously, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama were the top three teams. But to say that there was some questionable rankings might be an understatement. Topping this list of questionable rankings is the LSU Tigers coming in at number four. Some might say this is appropriate given that LSU just finished 15-0 and and won the national championship, but others may argue that LSU lost offensive guru Joe Brady and, more importantly, Heisman winner Joe Burrow. Uh, so many people are torn on what to think of LSU going into the 2020 season, making them one of the biggest unknowns next year. So, Brandon, what do you think? Do you really think LSU is a top five team going into the next season? And should defending national championships get the benefit of the doubt early in the rankings? Um, no, obviously it's these these rankings shouldn't really bother us too much. They shouldn't really affect us too much, period. I mean, when's the last time that you can remember a team that was ranked number one preseason ended up winning it all? I mean, obviously, I, I can't remember where Clemson or Alabama were the past few years. Uh, they may have been up there, but I mean, it's just not consistent whatsoever. I mean, I mean, these are basically way too early rankings. I mean, am I wrong? No, I mean, no, definitely, definitely people, not. Yeah, yeah. People aren't really paying. I mean, I guess people are paying attention to it, but people aren't putting too much weight on these. I mean, I don't know, or they shouldn't be if they are. Um, to have LSU at number four, though, that that is pretty bold. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, they are losing a lot of starters. It's not just Joe Burrow. I mean, uh. I mean, they're losing players like Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, um, they're losing uh, Damian Lewis. I mean, those are two of their key offensive linemen. Uh, they lost Clyde Edwards-Alaire, obviously, um, Jordan Jefferson, and the list goes on. I mean, they've lost a ton of players, but they are returning a lot of players. I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, they're returning Austin Deculus uh, from, from the offensive line. He's going to be the right tackle this upcoming season. Uh, they're returning Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall Jr. in that wide receiving core. And the running back this year is going to be Chris Curry. I mean, that that's pretty great. Uh, we saw him pull, get a little bit of action this past season when uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was hurt. He looked really good. And not only did he look good, but, I mean, they also have uh, Ty Davis-Price and John Emery in that backfield. I mean, they just have a stable of running backs right now. 
Uh, do I think they should be ranked number four? Not necessarily. Uh, definitely in the top ten preseason. And who knows where they're going to end up next year. I mean, we haven't really seen too much out of Miles Brennan, their quarterback for this upcoming season. Um, and we don't know how this team's going to operate this year. I mean, we can all speculate. You know, obviously, you're very down on this ranking. You don't like. I mean, you thought you you want to attribute everything to Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, which I mean, I get that, but I don't agree with it. I think LSU has a lot of returning talent, um, and, and even on defense. I mean, I know I only listed offensive players earlier, but I mean, they've got Jacoby Stevens returning. Uh, they have Der- or, yeah, they have Stingley returning. So. I think that they have a lot of talent returning, and I think they're definitely a top, I mean, at least a top eight team, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm so glad, because I really thought we were going to come on here. You were going to come with your Cajun season in and just be like, Joe Burrow should be number one, Coach O's number one, all that. So I'm really glad that we tailored our expectations here. And I, I don't, I really don't see how anybody thinks LSU is a top five team right now. Uh I mean, I don't think NCAA.com is the first team to do it. I believe LSU was fifth in the ESPN way too early rankings, if I if I remember right. Yeah, but, I mean, they, you know, it, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things where they just won the national championship. You have to put them somewhere up there. You know, you drop them too low. You drop them out of the top, you drop them out of the top 10, Louisiana's going to revolt. And you don't want to see what happens when Louisiana revolts. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be great for anybody. Yeah. I'm kind of scared of Louisiana, so, to be honest. Yeah, man, it's it's a scary place. I'm here right now, but it's uh, we're making it through. Um, anyway, I I think that uh, I don't know. I, I think you made a couple good points there. Um, uh, you know, and, and obviously, no one can make a true assessment of this team yet because we haven't seen them play. You know, my assessment is I think they're better than you think they are going to be. You know, you don't you don't think that they're going to come back and have a strong season whatsoever? Would you say five? Would you say eight and four next season at best? Yeah, I think I that's know. best case scenario. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. I think that's... I mean, uh, honestly, so I, I I did some research, um, Brandon. Where do you think LSU ranks in the country in terms of returning talent or returning production? My bad, returning production from last season. Where do they rank this upcoming year? I mean, probably somewhere, I don't know, probably somewhere around 30. I mean, they were losing a ton of talent. Where are they at? 127 out of 130. Yeah, no, I mean, I just gave you the list. I mean, I can, I can even condense that list further. I mean, if you just want to talk about Jamar Chase and Derek Stingley and Jacoby Stevens out of the – and then you had to add Austin Deckios. I mean, those four players are going to be All-Americans this season. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, how many sophomore slumps have we seen out of how many sophomore slumps have we seen out of players? Yeah, but there's one sophomore there. Yeah, I mean, but I would say Derek Steenley is probably the best player out of those players you named. Jamar Chase is up there. Jamar Chase is Jamar. Jamar Chase was second. I'm not going to disrespect Jamar Chase like that, but I think Derek Steenley is. Probably going into next season, the best secondary player in the country, and I'll even I'll 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 put everything on that. I think okay. Derek Stingley is the best cornerback in the country next year. I mean, I don't even know if you're that high on him, but personally, I watched a lot of Derek Stingley last year, and to do what he did as a true freshman, taking on the best wide receivers in the country week after week. I mean. It it really, really impressed me because, I mean, you think of the teams they played and how good they were at the wide receiver position. I mean, you have 
an Alabama team they face that has, what, two receivers going in the first round this year, most likely, unless something just outrageous happens in Judy and uh, Ruggs. And then that's not even including the two wide receivers that are coming back that will probably be first-round picks next year. Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. So let's go ahead and I want to I want to move on, not move on, but I'm going to move on to a different topic within this topic. Um, obviously, you don't, you probably don't agree with me. You know, I say LSU is a top eight team, and that's worst case. I mean, they could definitely, in my opinion, be a top five team uh, right now. Where would you rank them if you had to? I mean, you won't have them at four. You know, that's a given. But where, where would you uh, want to have them? So I did release my way too early top twenty five. It's on our website, guys, bluebloodspod.com. I had them at 15. And yeah, so here, here, here's what the people want. You're really good at giving the people what they want, Zach. Uh, so go ahead and explain yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, at 15, I think that's actually – so when I first wrote it up and I was organizing the teams, I had them outside the top 20. And – I was like, okay, I mean, they are the defending national champions. They do. It, but this was, I believe, before Dave Aranda even left. And I think people forget how good Dave Aranda really truly is. Uh, Dave Aranda, in my opinion, was a top three defensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course, yeah. he's behind Brent Venables. I think Brent Venables is leaps and bounds above anybody else in terms of defensive coordinator positions. And I think Todd Grantham at Florida is really, really high up there. I, I mean, th- those three are in the elite category, in my opinion. And I don't love their hire of Bo Pelini. I know a lot of people say he's familiar with the school system, Coach O, whatever you want to say. But I don't consider Bo Pelini a, an elite defensive coordinator. And that's a big holdup on me. And I mean, Steve Emsinger is really good. I think he gets a lack of credit for what happened last year. But at the same time, you have to look at the sample size you have. And without Joe Brady, Steve Emsinger was not getting the job done on the offensive side of the ball. So therefore, I think just it's not that I'm putting all the credit on Joe Burrow or Joe Brady. It's just without those two people seem to be the common denominator in the success last year. And then you combine all the coaching losses with all the player losses and all the expectations. And these teams like Alabama and Clemson who want to, if they get a chance at LSU, they are swinging for the fences because of what happened last year. I just think it's all going to turn into a really, really bad storm for LSU this next season. Yeah, no. And see, I'm going to go back and go ahead and, uh, elaborate on what I what I meant by you giving the people what they want. People want the disagreement, Zach. So let's go ahead and argue about this. 15? <laughs> Who are you? I mean, I know you put out the list. People, you need to uh, read that. So I don't want to give you too much of this information, but Zach, go ahead, and, go ahead and make me mad. Do what you need to do. Make me mad. Who, who do you have above LSU that's just going to make me upset? Uh, do you really want to like have your day ruined? Because I, I know oh, there's we, a we few. I, no, we need to have this. We need content. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I mean, yeah, so I'll tell, Cor- I'll tell you why they don't deserve to be up there. Go ahead. Okay, Clemson. No, they deserve to be up there. Okay, Ohio State. Yeah. Hey, okay, so we're good with those two, right? Yeah, I'm fine Alabama. With those. I'm fine with Alabama. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Continue. Okay. So we're so th- this is an order, guys. So Clemson was one, Ohio State two, Bama three. No, 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 no. You're not understanding. Don't don't give it to me in order. Zach. Give me someone that's going to make me mad. Someone that Florida. I, Florida. 
Yeah, that's that makes me mad. That's ridiculous. Why would you say um, that? Oregon to my face. You're gonna say that. To, you're gonna say that to my face. Yeah, uh, Notre yeah, Dame. That's, oh, you were too. You were too high on Ian Book. Oh, hang on. Oh, out. Oh, you're so ready for these. Both North Carolina and Oklahoma State. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and hop off real quick. This is re- North Carolina <laughs> State. Zach? No, no, North Carolina and then Oklahoma oh. State. Sorry, sorry. North Carolina. Uh, no, okay, no. same same reaction there. North Carolina? I, I know you like Sam Howell. I get it. You like Mac Brown. I understand. Are you kidding me? No, I'm I'm not joking like in the slightest. Yeah, well, okay. Well, this is why people don't give you enough credit. I mean, well, not even enough credit. People maybe overcredit you, Zach, because those that's insane. Oh, okay. So hang on, time out, time out. Um so Spencer Sanders didn't have a great year. True, She was a freshman, though. We'll give him that. Chuba Hubbard is the best running back in college football, and he was the best running back last I'm year. Even, I'm not even talking about Oklahoma State right now. I mean, okay, I don't so, agree so, they should be able to LSU. But you think that you put LSU and North Carolina on the same field and North Carolina beats LSU? North Carolina would beat LSU this upcoming season. I'd put money on it. I think North, I think North Carolina might beat Auburn next season. Do they play? Yeah, they play the second week of the season. That's funny. Where do you have Auburn on this list? Just twelve. Know that we, yeah, so we can go ahead and discredit Zach for everything. No, else no, hang on, time out. I have I have Auburn below both both North Carolina and Oklahoma State. No, it doesn't matter. You have Auburn above LSU, and that's insane. Aub- Aub- Auburn Auburn was okay. Time out. Well, we're about to. But <laughs> oh, if, I can't if wait. Auburn, I cannot uh, Auburn, wait for week twelve next season. I cannot uh, wait. Hang on. Time out. Auburn was one true freshman stepping out of bounds at the two yard line from beating LSU last year Dang. in Death Valley. Yeah, with a true freshman quarterback. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It do, okay, so, Tom. Uh, so you're you're telling me the the return of Derek Stingley and Jamar Chase is going to save you guys next year, and Bo Pelini is going to do a better, better, or let's just say equal job to Dave Aranda. Uh, I don't think he's going to do an equal job to Dave Aranda. I never said that. I think that LSU is a better – I think they have more talent than Auburn does next season. Wow. Okay. I, uh, so in case – just to make Brandon more mad because he said that, I have LSU as the sixth-ranked team in this rankings. There, there are five SEC teams above LSU in my rankings. That's insane, though. Like, what? So – you think LSU is seriously going to be a like? So you think that they're, you say six? So they're they're still in the top half of the SEC. Yeah, for sure. I'm not I'm not saying that LSU is going to like fall below Vandy next year. But so going into next season, based on returning experience, coaching, schedule, everything, I think Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Auburn, and Texas A and M are all going to be better than LSU next season. Okay, Zach. Texas A&M is not going to be better than LSU. We can go and we can go and bury that. I bet money they beat you. I bet money they beat LSU at Kyle Field in the last and the last part of the season. What else are you going to bet, Zach? You bet money. What else are you going to bet? <laughs> you I, don't know. I mean, shows? I mean, I, I can bet you like I can bet you hey, like man, a dog or my apartment or my car. Don't be stupid. Give me well the car maybe. Let's do that. The car, the, the cars, the cars, the cars out there. But I mean, so it's this isn't. Me saying that LSU is just gonna suck or anything. I just no, think there's like. 
oh my God, I just think there's too many SEC. T- I mean, you, you're looking at let, let me just walk down the teams I named. I mean, you already said Alabama. You understand that. We'll go with that. Right. Florida is returning talent almost everywhere on the field outside of LaMichael Pirine, who isn't even a top, a, what, a first or second round pick. He's a third mid-round pick at best. They're returning um, They're returning most of the defense. Dan Mullen is stepping in to his best situation they've had at Florida yet. And this is after he's won two straight New Year's Six Bowls. They have Kyle Trask coming back, which was the breakout player last year, and played actually extremely well against LSU in Death Valley in like his fourth start ever. Okay. I, I think Florida is loaded. I mean, we guys, go back and listen to the last episode. Plot, uh, you know, spoiler. There you go. Uh, I picked Florida as my dark horse for the 2020 season to win the championship. I have Florida fourth in my way too early. I think Florida makes the playoffs next year. I, I'm really, really high on Florida. Then okay. we'll move to George. We'll move to Georgia. Georgia's only above LSU is because they play in a weaker division. I think Georgia is going to eat up the SEC East. They're only two, they, they have games against Alabama, Auburn, and Florida, and those will be their three hardest games by far. And I think they win at least one of them. So therefore, they finish with at least two losses, but they're still above LSU technically in conference. Next, you have Auburn. They return Bo Nix, which. In the SEC was the best freshman quarterback in the in the conference, and Meh. they return the, the literally the only like <laughs> the, the, like they're losing. Okay, fair enough, they're losing Derek Brown, huge loss. Don't get me wrong there, but they have two top one hundred recruits stepping in to replace them. I like that they're returning their entire linebacking core. They're returning they they have cornerbacks and safeties filled. The only question mark with Auburn is their offensive line. But the reason I like Auburn moving forward above LSU is they get LSU and Alabama at home. That's huge. I like the linebacking word. Like you made it a I, verb. Yeah, it's it's I, I, I'm all for it. But I mean, you could say yourself. LSU and Alabama have not had the greatest success in Jordan Hare in recent years. Yes, LSU won an 18 on a walk-off field goal, but before that it was, what, 41-7? to seven, And, I mean, they, they got beat in a last second. You know, we talked, we talked to Blake Ferguson about it. One of the worst losses of his career is when they lost on a last-second reverse touchdown call. So the success in Jordan Hare has not been great for either of those two teams. So I think Auburn beats one of them at least. And then the fact that they moved the Georgia game out from November spreads out Auburn's schedule. And instead of getting a hard SEC East opponent like Florida, they get Kentucky at home. Mm-hmm. So I think o- overall Auburn will win more conference games than LSU and will finish above them. And we've already talked about why I'm high on Texas A&M. I think Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mond stepping in. a and is going to make a really, really strong run this year. And I think the fact that they get LSU at home, they upset LSU that last week, and that's why I have LSU finishing behind all these teams. All right, whatever. You, I mean, that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to end this segment the same way I end every other segment where I don't agree with you, but I want to move forward. You're entitled to your opinion. We'll move forward. There move you go, guys. See, see, constructive criticism. But So we're going to move to another you know, ranking that got released. ESPN continued their tradition, one of my favorite, of anonymously polling current head coaches, coordinators, and personnel directors about the upcoming 2020 season. The most recent poll asked which incoming 2020 recruit 
is the best and will be an immediate contributor this upcoming season. Just to kind of preface this, last season, the coaches' top two picks were Derek Stingley at LSU and Brew McCoy at USC. Uh, Stingley, of course, we just talked about him, in my opinion, was one of the best corners in the country last year. But McCoy ended up transferring like four times between USC and Texas and ended up getting a fight at a frat house and missed most of last season. So they're at 50% right now. But this year, the coaches picked Arik Gilbert at LSU and Brian Barisi at Clemson to be the best recruits in this rising class. Brandon, what are your thoughts on these picks? And if and who would be your pick or maybe top two picks if you got to vote for the best incoming recruit for 2020? I'll be honest with you, man. I, I agree with these a lot. You know, you, when you sent me the question, um, I hadn't yet seen the poll. And so I, I pulled up the poll immediately after. But in my head, I was thinking about these two players, really, because I don't know. It's, it's, you know, it's maybe a lack of effort on my part or maybe like a lack of creativity. Um, and I don't mean to sound like the LSU Homer that I am all the time, but, but Gilbert, man, this tight end, have you seen his highlight tape? He plays like a wide receiver. Uh, you just can't, he plays like a wide receiver. Who's as big as a tight end. Which is insane. I, I mean, I personally classify him as a hybrid. Per, I, personally, I, I don't even consider him a true tight end. That dude is going to cause nightmares for teams to game plan against because, I mean, he is athletic enough to be in the slot. So I consider him a hybrid wide receiver tight end. I don't even consider him a true tight end personally. Right. I mean, he's more, he's not going to be a blocking tight end uh, unless LSU, for whatever reason, decides they want to revert back to a pro style offense. Which, I mean, we we pray every day that they don't. But um, no, he, he's going to be a serious weapon uh, in LSU's offense this upcoming season. You know, he's a true freshman. He's coming in. I mean, I, I believe he's already enrolled. But he is uh, obviously they're not working out right now. I was about to say he's already working out with the team, but no, not right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's had experience around this team already. Uh, you know, hopefully there's enough time before the season begins that he can get comfortable in the system. Um, and I really do think he can be a breakout player. You know, I don't know if he's going to be on the same level that like Stingley was this past season for LSU. I mean, because that kid was just—I uh, don't even know a good word to explain it. He was just incredible. He was insane. Um, yeah, and I think that honestly, he has the potential to be maybe maybe the top target for Miles Brennan this upcoming season at LSU. Um, which it, this receiving core for LSU is going to be scary this upcoming year. Um, and then to move on to Breezy, uh, man, and you don't even need to watch this kid's tape. I mean, you can watch like two plays and just watch. He's just knocking over. Uh, he's just knocking <laughs> over linemen left and right. Um, uh, he, he is just a stud. He's going to contribute to this Clemson team so much. Um, I like that they did not put any of these quarterbacks up there, uh, truthfully. You know, uh, Bryce Young wasn't in the top two for these coaches. I think that was a smart choice. I don't think that you can. He's not going to be a starter next season. Uh, I know that we're going to have the Alabama crowd screaming at me right now. You know, they're screaming at their phones or the radios, wherever you listen to this on, um, because uh, because I'm discrediting him. Uh, I think he's a great quarterback, and I think that in in time he'll be you know he'll be a you know a great quarterback for Alabama. Not only that, great, he'll be good for Alabama. Um, but it's Mac it's Mac Jones' time to shine. Uh, so what are your thoughts about it, Zach? Yeah, so I'll agree with you on one of these players. I'm giving you Arik Gilbert. I think this kid, 
I mean, I don't think I can say anything that you didn't say. I mean, just he's a matchup problem, man. I mean, at 6'6", 260, this is a grown man playing against kids. I mean, are you kidding me? 6'6", 260, and he can fly, too. I mean, he's going to be a future NFL, probably first or second round pick, depending on you know his development. But just based on pure athletic skills, I think this kid is a surefire NFL, future NFL player. And if I had to make a comparison, I think he reminds me of Rob Gronkowski, but athletic and agile. I think this kid is going to make a lot, a lot of money one day. I mean, I could see LSU using him a lot like the Patriots use Gronkowski. I mean, if you stick him in the slot, who do you have covering him? I mean, personally, uh, you know, if if you put a cornerback on him, he's just going to manhandle him. And if you put a linebacker, he's going to fly by him. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, Rob Gronkowski, I had to make a qualifier. I get Shannon Sharp vibes from this kid. I think that's his potential is Shannon Sharp. And I mean, we're a college football podcast, but you guys should know who Shannon Sharp is. Uh, NFL Hall of Fame tight end, three-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, Arik Gilbert uh, is probably my favorite recruit that I cannot wait to watch. You know, And as an Auburn fan, I'll be excited to watch him 11 out of the 12 weeks of the year. But that one week he has to play us, I'm hoping that he misses the flight or something because I do not want to see this kid come into Jordan Hare. Uh, he's coming out of a very talented area, out of that Marietta High School in Georgia. Yep. Uh, They're loaded. Hey they are loaded. Just go watch them from this past season. They won the state championship, and it just wasn't even close, and it wasn't even fair. Just the that amount of talent one, they had. That, that one school, I think they had, what, four top 100 recruits in that one school? Yeah. I, 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 well, um, I know they sure they had three. I think they had three, I, and don't take my word for it. I know they had two for a fact in the top 50. I think they had, might, may have had three in the top 50. Yeah, because BJ uh, Ojolari also signed with LSU, came out of Marietta. And I believe Georgia had a safety come out of there too. Don't quote me on it. I should have done my research, but I forgot we were talking about Marietta High School. But that school loaded. There will probably be more top 100 recruits this next year. But uh, I like Brian Barisi. The only reason I'm not voting him is because I don't think he's going to step in yet. He's going to have to wait his time at Clemson personally. I think that defensive line is going to be loaded in the first place, and I think Xavier Thomas is going to dominate this next season. My vote would have to go to Justin Flo. Uh, Okay. I think he's going to be an all-conference player this next season and will be a big reason the Oregon Ducks make a run at the playoff. Uh, in my opinion, he has a rare combination of size, speed, physicality that, I mean, you can't teach a kid to be instinctive and bring that physicality every single time. And if, and if you watch flow, it is like a seek and destroy mission. And if he sees the ball, the ball, the ball is going to be his and that running back's done. I mean, I think he's going to anchor the inside of this Oregon defense. And I mean, the biggest thing for him is that he fits the system really, really well. And we already know with Caden Thibodeau and Noah Sewell and the rest of these Oregon defenders, this defense is already loaded under Mario Cristobal. That's brought a great system to Oregon. And I think Flo is going to benefit from having help. And it's only going to speed up his development, not having to take on the whole load and carry this team on his back. I think he I think he makes a run at 100 tackles in his freshman year and I think he is going to be on everyone's radar by the time December rolls around this time in 20 you know this time later in the year. 
Right. Um, another player I, I really like, and it's here we go again with, with Brandon just going chalk on picks, but uh, Julian Fleming for Ohio State. This guy, you, talk, you, want, you want to talk about tape from Gilbert? Look at this guy's tape. It's incredible. I mean, he is just, you know, he's, he's, not the biggest guy. he's not the biggest guy in the world, but this man can fly. This man has hands, and he's going to be a serious problem in the Big Ten next season. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be a problem for somebody. And I think he was, I think he was second, right, or third, something like that. Yeah, yeah uh, he was he was on the list. So don't sleep on Julian Fleming. The only problem I think with Fleming, he's going to be good, but Ohio State does return like Chris Olave, and they just got Trey Sermon. I think that ball is going to be it's going to be kind of like the Rockets are, where between Russell Westbrook and James Harden, there's only one ball, so everyone can't get touches all the time. So I think it's going to be an interesting. I guess, competition to see who gets the most targets in that offense. But Julia Fleming is going to play in the NFL one day. That's that's just true. But, yeah, I agree with you on the quarterbacks, though. I, I really thought when I was getting into this article they were going to pick the quarterbacks. But thinking around, I mean, you know, Clemson and Alabama landed the top two quarterbacks, and I don't see Trevor Lawrence losing the job to anybody. I mean, let's be real here. I mean, if if Trevor Lawrence doesn't start for Clemson next year, something went terribly wrong. And personally, uh, really, really interested to see how the Alabama quarterback, you know, battle goes. And I think this, you know, spring practice getting canceled only hurts Bryce Young. I think it only confirms that Mac Jones moving forward is going to be the man for Alabama because losing out on, I don't even know how many practices are in spring practice, but let's just say 15, those 15 practice practices are instrumental for true freshmen trying to step in and learn an offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those are going to be the first 15 practices these guys see. I mean, it's going to be the first time they actually get out there with their teammates, uh, with their, well, I mean, they're going to interact with their coaches, but it's going to be the first time uh, that they're actually being coached by these coaches i mean uh there's a big difference and you know we can't really speak to it we weren't we weren't collegiate athletes don't let us fool you um we can't really speak to it but there is a huge difference between coaches on and off the field so it's uh it's, it's definitely gonna be an interesting situation for these upcoming players yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we kind of highlighted a few episodes ago how much the spring practice is going to affect these younger players. But we're going to go ahead and move on to another topic. We're going to talk about this SEC bias. And uh, I don't know if we're the best people to talk about it, both of us being uh, SEC fans for our respective schools. But, you know, with this period of inactivity in sports, why not address some of the biggest gripes that we've heard fans seem to have with the current football landscape, college football specifically. You know, if you don't live in a state with an SEC school, then you probably are or know many of the people who say that the NCAA college football has a strong SEC bias. And there's claims that SEC teams get too much benefit of the doubt for losses. They have scheduling issues. They are all the teams are overhyped, over way too highly ranked and that the SEC is really not as dominant as people claim and it's just college football you know lending itself to them so we're here to lay the facts out get to the bottom of this argument so Brandon is there in your opinion an SEC bias and if not what are people seeing what's the real problem here 
Um, today is there an SEC bias? I don't think so. Uh, has there been an SEC bias in the past? Certainly there was, and I think that that bias was, you know, I think it was, I think it was well deserved. I mean, how many national championships in a row did the SEC win at, at their peak? Between what was it? It was between like two thousand. Uh, it was like two thousand five to like six, six. I mean, 2006 to 2013 when Auburn lost to Florida State. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. Thoughts, thoughts and prayers to go to Zach real quick. But, <laughs> um, that was a great game for him. He had a great time. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, there's a reason there was an SEC bias then. Do I think there's an SEC bias now? No, not really. I think that I think that the teams that are uh, traditionally good have a bias toward them. I mean, there's a reason that uh, that teams like Clemson, when they, when they barely scrape by against North Carolina – get a pass like oh no they overlooked north carolina i think there's a reason why uh why lsu even i mean let's talk about lsu there's a reason they got a pass when they barely scraped by auburn this season i mean well, we can talk about it i'm not trying to i'm not trying to talk down on auburn right now but auburn if, if lsu were to play anybody that close this past season was auburn the team i mean they had they played so many good teams this past season you know, and Auburn's a great team. They were a great team this past season, but you would have thought that maybe that that low scoring game uh, would have been against Alabama. You know, if I told you that score preseason, you would have thought they would have done that against Alabama. You know, those two defenses going up against each other, but it was Auburn. Um, and LSU got a pass. You know, they you know teams didn't doubt LSU after that. You know, the country never doubted him or doubted them. And so, yeah, I think there's a bias in sports, but do I think it's an SEC bias? No, I think that it's a Teams that are traditionally good get the get the um, benefit of the doubt because they're traditionally good. I mean, I think that's also precedented. You know, I don't think that's unfair. Do you? No, I mean, and personally, like, do I think there's an SEC bias? Not really. I think it's just th- there was a lot of people, and I mean, I'm not saying any names, but I think there's a lot of people who were tired of the SEC constantly winning. I think I think it was more of a SEC uh, fatigue than there was an SEC bias anywhere. Uh, I'll agree. I think Kirk Herbstreit was, was sick and tired of it. I'll name names. <laughs> I mean, Paul Feinbaum, not tired of it. But, oh, he loves you it. know, uh, it, the thing that gets me is that people fail to look at facts. Uh, so I was did some digging. Uh, so, Brandon. Bleacher Report ranked the top 10 states for college talent. So one-fifth of the states. Uh, how many of them do you think were SEC? I guess how many states in that list had an SEC school, SEC school within it? Do you mean like coming out of high school? Yeah, no, like just like no. How many like they ranked? Yeah, how like talent coming out of high school? Yeah. Um. Oh man, I'm about to talk this out. So Texas was definitely on that list. Uh, so that's one. Um, Alabama's probably top fifteen. Alabama has to be on that list. Uh, Florida's on that list. So that's three. Um, South Carolina's probably on that list. That's four. Tennessee maybe's on that list. Georgia's on the list. So that's at least five. I, I, let's let's go with uh, nine. Not dang, that's a lot. Uh, seven. So. Um, yeah, seven states were on that list that had an SEC team inside the state. And that's not even including states like North Carolina that made the list that the SEC is right there. And let's be honest, South Carolina 
can recruit from North Carolina. Uh, let's not, oh, yeah. you know, be ignorant here. But, you know, when you have that type of recruiting advantage, I mean, that's such an advantage to be. So you don't think Georgia loves the fact that, you know, their state is number two on the list of high school talent coming out to go to the NCAA? I mean, it's so hard for other schools to compete with that. I mean, if you even look at schools like Nebraska, I mean, how many good, how many great players come out of Nebraska? Um, not, not, not many. <laughs> not a lot. No, not, no. not many. I mean, so therefore, like you have to, so you have to travel. You have to try to make those relationships. Georgia can just go to someone's house and be like, hey, man, your parents can drive an hour and come watch you play every game and you can compete in the SEC. And then, like, once that starts happening, more kids want to go to the SEC because they see, what was it, last year, 64 players from the SEC were drafted. Right. That That is outrageous. And the cl- second closest was 42 by the Big Ten. That, yeah, so that, that just insane. I mean, and th- who knows how many this year. Uh, there's so many signs that say the SEC is just so far. Re- in recent years has been better than other conferences. I mean, let's just go back to 2000. There's been 11 SEC national championships since 2000. It's pretty good. That's more uh, than half. That, that's pretty good. And then the argument is, well, it's just because Alabama's winning them all. And it's like, no, four different SEC teams won those championships. LSU's won three of those. Florida's won, what, two? Yeah, Florida's won two. LSU's, well, L- LSU's won three. Auburn's won one, and then Alabama, of course, won the rest. Uh, but and then that's not even including Georgia's been to one. Auburn went to another one, and I mean Tennessee was one win away from going to one in the early two thousands. Yeah, it's just it, it's crazy to me about like how people forget about that. And then so you look in comparison, the ACC ACC is the closest with three teams that have won a championship since then. They had Miami, Florida State, and Clemson. Yeah, I remember in in 2012 when there was just a ruckus about two LSU teams being in the national championship, or not LSU, two two SEC national championship. Yeah, and since then, there's been another national championship that has two SEC teams. There's not another conference that's had two teams from their conference make it in in two in the past two decades. You know, it's just it's. I don't know. There, there's a reason there's bias. If there is bias, that, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, th- and that's that's my complete argument. I mean, you know, so uh, let's just be honest here. Uh, no offense to anyone who listens that roots for a certain team in this conference or whatever. Well, we we can say, we can say the Big Ten complains the most about it. Well, yeah, and that's because uh, they're the second best conference right now. Yeah, so okay, you say that, right? So out of all the national championships since 2000, out of you know the Power Five conferences that have won, um, actually the Big Ten has only had one team from their conference win a championship, Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, and you know everyone you know yells at the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has only had one, and that was USC. So they're on an even playing field. The ACC's had three teams. The Big 12 has had two. They had Texas and and Oklahoma. Yeah. 
So therefore, I don't see this weird argument that like, oh, like there's like a hierarchy, whatever. I mean, uh, nothing's stopping these programs from coming down to recruit. No, no one's. I think the coaching is pretty even. I would say, uh, I would say the Big Ten and these conferences have elite coaching. I mean, Tom Herman, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal at Oregon, and. You just saw Chris Peterson retire from Washington. Those were all elite coaches. You got Dabo Sweeney in the ACC. Uh, you have J- James Franklin in the Big Ten. I mean, let's not, you know, say that, oh, the SEC has this unfair advantage. And then I read an article while I was doing research for this that was saying the reason that the SEC has this bias or has this advantage is because of the amount of money they make. And... Oh. My my biggest argument to that is, I mean, these other conferences had an opportunity to negotiate their TV deals, negotiate all their advertising and sponsorships and whatever they want to do. And it's like they didn't take advantage of it. And so everyone, you know, Georgia spent, I believe it, what was it, $3 million last year on recruiting, which was number one in the country. And everyone's like, well, how are we supposed to recruit with that? It's like, well, make some more money and well, if you have extra money, why wouldn't you put it to getting the best players in the country for your program so you can make more money? I, I don't understand how that is a knock on the SEC or or its program like Georgia. Right? No, it shouldn't be. But yeah, I don't know. Everyone hates on the SEC network, but uh, the Big Ten's got their network. Pac-12's got their network. ACC was stupid and made theirs exclusive, but no one wants it. So I, I don't know. Uh, does the, the Big Ten doesn't have a network? No, the Big Ten doesn't. No, the Big Twelve doesn't. Right? Not Big Twelve. Not yeah, but 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 Texas has one. <laughs> Texas has their own channel. That's awesome. Well, it's terrible actually. Horns down, but it's funny. I mean, like, how, I just want to know how that worked. Like, how did they? They were just like, "Yo, in Civil we just want our own channel, the Longhorn Network. That's for us." I don't know. Texas fans are like a whole different breed, so there's there's probably a market for it. Oh, that's true. I, you know, I, my, I'm, I'm cheap. My, uh, I don't actually have access to the Longhorn Network, so I guess they, they keep me off for a reason. But I think we both agree here that this SEC bias thing, uh, this, this, uh, this SEC bias thing just isn't a real big deal. I think, in our opinion, I think it's just an SEC fatigue. That's what the Blue Bloods are going with here. Hashtag SEC fatigue, not bias, but. <laughs> Well, we're going to move on here to our second to last topic, moving into more NFL draft stuff. So he finally, he did it again. He really did it again. Colin Cowherd officially broke the internet this week when he suggested the Patriots are making a plan to officially, officially tank for Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson next year. Uh, tanking. Has been a phenomena that you know has spanned across all sports. I mean, everyone knows the infamous process that the 76ers botched in the NBA, and the Browns tried to tank for like 15 years, but ultimately failed. Uh, they still have not won a Super Bowl. So many experts agree that Lawrence is one of the best NFL prospects in years to come out of college. And the Panthers and the Patriots have both already been accused of tanking for Lawrence this upcoming season in the NFL. So, Brandon, how do you view Lawrence as a prospect, and is he worth tanking for? And do you see a team actually tanking for Trevor Lawrence this season? And is it and is it a good plan? 
This shouldn't even be a question right now, Zach. Absolutely, teams are going to tank for, tank for Trevor Lawrence because he's probably the best quarterback process, uh, prospect we've seen. I mean, I, I'd be willing to say the best one we've seen in maybe two decades. I mean, th- this guy is the real deal. I mean, am I wrong? Two not, decades? He, Holy who crap. Who else? Holy who crap. Who else? Uh, I, said since, I, I said since Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's been two that's decades. Best, yeah, about two decades. So yeah, I think yeah, so, I, I think people overrated Andrew Luck to be all to be. Let's just be honest here. Andrew I don't, great. If Andrew Luck was, uh, if Andrew Luck wasn't injured for most of his career, if he had an O line at the very beginning of his career, then he would have been. Listen, he he may have been he may have had more true talent than Trevor Lawrence, but he couldn't do anything with it. So Trevor Lawrence is obviously going to be one of. Uh, the best quarterback prospects we've seen in modern day football. Um, so yeah, I think I don't, I don't think it's insane to say that a team would uh, would tank for him. I usually don't agree with Colin Cowherd. Uh, everyone knows that I, I hate him. I've declared war on him before, but and that war is still going on. By the way, Colin, don't think you're safe. Uh, this quarantine might may have me stuck in one location, but uh, coming for you. Anyway, no, Trevor Lawrence is an outstanding quarterback. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback, great NFL talent for years to come. Um, and no, I, I don't think it's a bad plan to tank for him whatsoever. I understand that it may not be the ethical thing to do, but uh, when, since when have I started being ethical on this podcast? So, yeah, I, I think it could be a solid plan. Um, do I think the Patriots would do it? Uh, Bill Belichick's a smart man, but I, you know, they already. The Patriots have already had their troubles with uh, with Mr. Goodell, and so do I think that they're willing to uh, to sacrifice basically their program, maybe some more draft picks by tanking for him? No, I don't. But do I think it would be the worst? Uh, do I think it would be the worst plan in the world if they did decide to? No, absolutely not. I think that I think he's worth it. Uh, I, I also think he's worth it. I don't think the Patriots are going to tank. Uh, I, I don't think Bill Belichick's built like that. Um, I think Bill Belichick wants to win. He wants to show that Tom Brady was not the reason they, you know, won what six Super Bowls. Uh, but yeah. I, like I said, Lawrence is the best prospect that I've ever seen since Peyton Manning. Uh, I, I think he has the accuracy, the size, the focus, the confidence, and the and the speed to be one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen come out into the draft. I think he has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time in the NFL. I mean, his first two years at Clemson, he's completed over 65% of his passes. So there's the accuracy. Over 3,000 yards in both the seasons at Clemson's passing, which shows his talent in general. Over 30 touchdowns every year, and he's had less than eight interceptions every single season. I mean, his and the thing that I think gets overlooked with Lawrence is his confidence and his leadership. Uh, if you remember, the year he stepped into the starting role, that team was just filled with seniors that came back to win a national championship. They had Dexter Lawrence and, you know, all these defensive linemen and linebackers and offensive linemen. And I mean, they had talent everywhere. And when Trevor Lawrence stepped into the job, he took the leadership role as a true freshman. And those players were looking to him for leadership guidance. They, that team went as Trevor Lawrence went. I think if you replace Trevor Lawrence with any other quarterback, on that roster, Clemson does not make it to the national championship. Clemson does not beat Alabama. And 
I think this year they just ran into a buzzsaw that was LSU. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, that was a road game for Clemson. Uh, it was in New Orleans, and that LSU team just a legendary offense. I mean, you can't – they put up, what, 42 points in the national championship LSU did? Yeah. Uh, you and, know, I, I, yeah, they did. And, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't ask – your true sophomore quarterback with, you know, a true freshman wide receiver and T Higgins and them to put up 42, 43 points in a national championship game, technically on the road. I mean, they got out to an amazing start, but once LSU started rolling, I mean, I think you saw that offense trying to force things and it just lended itself to LSU ended up pulling away at the end. I mean, the score doesn't look like it, but Clemson had a chance to win until the fourth quarter. And, I just I think that he got a bad rap for that game. There's a lot of people who were like, "This is why he's overrated. This is why he's not going to be anything." I'm not going to let a half of football change my mind on this kid. I've seen two years of just probably the best quarterback play that I think I've ever seen in college football. He's not Tim Tebow with this, you know, where he, you know, is a weird non-pro style quarterback. He's not Baker Mayfield. He's not. You know, uh, Johnny Manziel. I mean, this dude looks, plays, and talks, and everything just like an NFL quarterback. And I literally cannot wait to see him in the NFL. Yeah, me either. I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun seeing a quarterback with long hair in the NFL. Uh, I think that's something we don't really get too often. So that's you got you got Gardner uh, Minshew. Whatever. That's not long hair. That's not Trevor I, I, Lawrence. Long hair. No, no, it's not Trevor Lawrence long hair. But I mean. You know we're 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 doing something, but I'm going to throw like a curveball into this thing. Uh, the reason I would suggest teams do not tank this year is because I think Trevor Lawrence is staying at Clemson for four years. Do you really? That's nuts. I do, I do. And if he was anywhere else in the country, I wouldn't say this. But I think the fact that it's Dabo Sweeney and that culture that he's built where everyone has a sense of accountability endlessly, I think I think he's coming back. I really do. And especially if they don't win the national championship this year. Yeah. If they if Clemson doesn't win it all this year, he's coming back a hundred percent. Right. I think and I think that's the only way he comes back is if they don't win. I mean, it would be the same situation as like Travis Etienne. I mean, he shocked the world by coming back this season. So um, and I think it's because they didn't win the national championship. Uh, that's that's just that's my opinion. Uh, we'll never know. I don't guess, but uh, unless he comes out and says it. But um, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Uh, I think it would be the worst business decision of all time for him to stay. But yeah. <laughs> oh no, well we're not we're not in the business for good business. We just I just want to see good college football and <laughs> the business um, for bad. There you go. I, I like that. I don't know what that's called. Uh, I, I'm for it. I'm for bad English and bad business, but I just, I, I really think it's more Davo Sweeney. I mean, I don't think he forces these players to stay, but I think these, these players just love playing for him. I, I, you don't see it a lot of other places in the country. And the closest place I can think of is LSU. I think, you know, if I think LSU coach O is going to end up having a culture where people stay for longer than they think, just because they love playing for coach O. I think, I, I mean, they're both player coaches. They're both pretty successful. I mean, I don't, I'm not comparing them on that, but I mean, 
you look at Clemson and all the upgrades they've done to player lounges, development, uh, football buildings, the stadium, the environment, the just the program in general. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to be there for as long as you can? I mean, you're getting a free education, you're getting housing, you're getting equipment, all this stuff, you're getting experience. I mean, you're never going to be able to do it again. And I, the reason I think he'll make that, you know, so-called bad business decision is he doesn't have the health problems that some of these players come out with. He isn't too aware. If he comes back for a year, who knows if he has a chance? Trevor Lawrence has missed one half of football, and it was because he took a targeting hit and had a concussion on a dirty hit by Syracuse. That yeah. That's the extent of his injuries. And th- the way he plays lends himself to coming back another year. Just like if you remember, Andrew Luck came back another year. Andrew Luck, people were saying he was so stupid for coming back. How could you pass up on the number one pick? And he came back and put up his best year yet and was still the number one pick. And I see Trevor Lawrence doing a similar thing here. And it's more based on what Davo Sweeney means to him than anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's definitely in the cards. I think it's definitely a possibility for it. Because, I mean, if you're a true freshman stepping into Clemson, dude, I mean, Kelly Bryant led them to the playoffs, and Davo Sweeney looked that kid in the eye sometime and said, hey, this guy led us to the playoffs last year. He's the incoming, you know, he's the returning starter. We're just going to let him leave for you. So this is on you. I mean, that confidence had to be just, I mean, I I couldn't imagine. So I think everything that Dabo's done for him, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to repay it to him. I mean, after he won the national championship his freshman year, he said he wanted to win it for three more years, and he failed last year. I think even if he wins it this year, he's going to want to get Dabo another one. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll definitely see. Um, You know, I don't have to think it's a good idea, but it's definitely in the cards. (laughs) I wish I had that decision to make, right? (laughs) Oh, man. So we're going to wrap this episode up with one more question, more regarding to the draft. Uh, You know, Tom Brady shook the NFL world, you know, the sports world. Let me correct it. The GOAT deserves the sports world. Uh, They shook it to its core and decided to take his legendary career and talents to Tampa Bay. I don't know how I feel about it, but that that's, that's for an NFL podcast to discuss. But, you know, this ends the greatest dynasty in NFL history with the Patriots. But the Patriots are now left with Brian Hoar, Hoyer, NFL journeyman, and Jared Stidham, a fourth-round pick out of Auburn as their quarterback options right now. Mel Kiper Jr. has projected to take the Patriots to take Jordan Love from Utah State with the number 23 pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Brandon. Which quarterback in this draft, if you were the Patriots, would you take a chance on? And is there a quarterback in the draft or these upcoming drafts that you think the Patriots should target to replace Brady? Zach, I am sick and tired of you making me go first. You go first on this one. (laughs) I'll go first. So I'm not going to take the easy route. I'm not going to take the cowherd route and say they're going to tank for Trevor, even though Trevor Lawrence in, in New England would be scary. Um. I'm going to go with two quarterbacks, and Brandon's really high on one of these guys, and I'm really high on the other. So I'm going to go first with Anthony Gordon out of Washington State. Um, I I don't agree with Mel Kuyper and that the Patriots are going to take a first-round quarterback. I think Belichick knows that at 23, any quarterback he can get at 23, he can get in the third or fourth round. Uh right. 
you know, this quarterback class has a clear divide. The only one that's kind of a weirdly in between is Jake Fromm. Uh, and so I think Anthony Gordon, I mean, 6'3", 210, he has the size. He has the arm strength. The only th- He's completed 71% of his passes this past season at Washington State. Played in just an air raid offense, 48 touchdowns. The only thing he needs to work on is his interception. And I think working with Josh McDaniels in New England is going to be the best case scenario. So, I mean, even if he has to sit a year behind Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham, whatever you want to do, I think Anthony Gordon has a real potential. If he falls into the right hands early where they can mold and develop him into a true starting quarterback, I think Anthony Gordon has as high upside as anybody. I mean, we saw this kid light the world on fire this up, this past this past season. I mean, he led the NCAA in – he was, well, fourth in the NCAA in completion percentage, was second in passing yards with almost 6,000. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, 5,600 is ridiculous. He was behind Joe Burrow, whatever, overrated. Uh, but he did lead the – I mean, he, he was just – I don't know how to put it, but – Something about him when I watched him just—he jumped off the screen to me. I don't know if you feel the same way, Brandon, but I feel like he jumped completely off the screen for me, and he just looked like he—he he had something that can be developed into a superstar level potential. Oh yeah, I mean, and uh, just watching him—you uh, know—I I hate keeping him at the Senior Bowl, but that's really been my only experience with players so far, uh, besides a few of our interviews. But um, I mean, honestly. Uh, I just even talking to him, uh, very, very humble guy, uh, seems like a real leader. And, uh, I think, I think the coaches there really, uh, noticed that as well. The scouts noticed that. Um, so yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. It's not only talent, but I really, I think he has the mindset that, uh, that is needed to be successful in the NFL. Oh yeah. And I mean, uh, you see, I think what helps him. So there was a long, I guess, a long period. I think you could speak on this too, where Washington State quarterbacks were looked down upon based on the system they played in college. Because you can't just come in and just air raid it across the field, you know, in the NFL. But with Gardner, with Gardner Minshew's success in Jacksonville and them committing to him as their starting quarterback, I think that only helps Anthony Gordon in this upcoming draft. And where it gives NFL teams a measuring stick of like, okay, well, if Minshew can do this, Gordon looked better than Minshew, so maybe this kid has something. So I think a team's going to take a waiver on Anthony Gordon and try to develop him. And I think the Patriots could be that team. They could, they definitely could be. Um, so is that your only one, or do you have more? Uh, I have, I have one more. I just didn't want to take it from you, just in case. I'm not. Both, both of my choices are for. I don't think the quarter. I don't think the Patriots are going to take a quarterback this year. Uh, oh, I think really? They wait till twenty twenty one. I think Ooh. they try to give. You know, my honest opinion. I think they give Jared Stidham a shot this year, and I think that they wait a year to see how he develops before they draft another quarterback. Oh, that's interesting. I'm an Auburn fan, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough out here. That's you got to have takes. I'm, here we I'm, are, dude. If Jared Stidham ends up being the next, just great quarterback in the Patriots. I'm be I'm gonna be shook. No, I, didn't, I didn't say great quarterback. I said they let him have it for a year. Okay, I mean, that's <laughs> fair enough. That's fair enough. Who do you think who do you think they target next year Because they're not gonna have a top two pick because Fields and Lawrence are going early. No, no. Yeah, I don't think they go for them. I think they wait for a quarterback. Uh my two guys are uh my first pick for the Patriots, I would go with Sam Ellinger. My second pick is Kyle Trask and here's why. 
Sam, obviously, you're very high on Kyle Trask, so I don't yeah, even know I, if I, need I actually, I actually really like we, that pick. We've talked about that, but Sam Ellinger has had all in all. I think we can both say he's had a pretty successful college career. Uh, obviously, this year he struggled with more interceptions than he ever has with ten. Um, but I mean, he still had 32 touchdowns this season. He had 3,663 yards passing this season. Every single he averaged eight yards a pass. Um, and his uh, and his completion percentage this year was sixty five percent, which is the best it's ever been. I think that if he can get into a system, um, like the Patriots system with with coaches like Bill Belichick, with a with a staff around him that is just, I mean, nose to the grindstone. All they all they do is football. They they uh, they they everything they do is football related. I think that they can develop this kid into something great. Do I think that he's a great NFL quarterback otherwise? Potentially, but I think that it's a no-doubter in my mind. If he goes to the Patriots, they can develop him to something special. You've really shot me with this Sam Ellinger pick, though. I thought you were horns yeah. down through and through. I, I am. I really am. And Kyle Trask, I'm about the same uh, hype on him. The reason that I didn't commit to Kyle Trask first is because I think that Sam Ellinger falls below Kyle Trask in next year's draft. If Kyle Trask, uh, I agree with that. So I agree with that. I think a better shot at getting Sam Ellinger. Yeah. I think Sam Ellinger is going to fall kind of like Jake Fromm did this draft cycle. I think he's going to get exposed in the combine and senior bowl and all that. I, I, I'm really not high on Sam Ellinger at all, but you didn't. I, I, I stuck with this draft because I do think the Patriots are going to draft a backup plan. And this quarterback, it, to me, is just the biggest question mark. I mean, I know Jordan Love is has people kind of torn, but Jacob Eason, uh, this kid has talent. He has major talent. I mean, he did pretty good his freshman year at Georgia. I mean, it is what it is because it was Kirby Smart's first year, got hurt, had to transfer. It, uh, it's a bad situation. But, you know, he – Do what? It's tough to beat out Jake Fromm once he That's takes true. your spot. Yeah. That's true. Well, I mean, also, Jake Fromm was rolling his freshman year. Let's not forget that. I mean, straight to the national championship. But I think Eason had an underrated year for Washington. I mean, he was not as good as I would have liked, as Brandon would have liked, as probably the Washington you know coaches would have liked. But he still completed 64% of his passes, threw for over 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. I mean, he, I think he has the ability to be special. He just, he needs a team to take a waiver on him, to develop him, to, to, I guess, invest in him. And I think, like you said, I, if even if they want to give Stidham a shot, what's wrong with taking a waiver on Eason or, Anthony Gordon in the late rounds and have them sit behind and learn from Brian Hoyer, who is an NFL journeyman, been on teams all across the country, knows the system in New England because he has been in New England before. So why not take a fourth, fifth round pick or even a third round pick for in the case of Easton? I don't know if Easton will fall that far, but I mean, Anthony Gordon is going to be sitting there. Why not take him and Take a chance on them. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You trade them just like you did Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, that's that's not a bad point. Uh, I just I, I don't see a I I really think if they stick with Stidham and Hoyer, they're gonna 
it's going to be it's become hairy because what happens if uh, you I don't I think they need a third person I think they need a backup plan and I mean we're not an NFL podcast but I mean we know enough to talk about it but I mean Belichick's not just going to go in without a plan A B C D E and F I mean he's going to have something ready and I mean even if that's if everything goes wrong Julian Edelman going back to quarterback <laughs> I mean. People forget he did play quarterback in college, yeah. but yeah. and and I I saw a projection. It was uh, I don't like this one. I, I wanted your thoughts before we get, wrap it up. Cam Newton to the Patriots. Uh, you know what? I don't think he fits in that system very well. I don't um, either. I I can't. I hate that fit. It's not that I think he's a bad quarterback at this point in his career. I think he's. I think that he was in a system that he really couldn't succeed in a lot. And I think what he did with them was impressive. I mean, he took the Panthers to a Super Bowl. I mean, people forget that. Um, it's just they played against that Denver defense that was, um, you know, unstoppable. unbelievable, unbelievable. Right. So, so um, yeah, and I think that he's going to come back next year with whatever team he's on. And I think he's going to come back with a vengeance. Do I think that he's going to be? Patriots caliber no do I think he fits in the Patriots system even as an even stronger no so yeah no I, I that would be to me that's a terrible fit yeah and that's why I don't have the Patriots picking Jordan Love I don't think Jordan Love fits what they want to do in New England and no. and you know Anthony Gordon and Jacob Eason both fit that system more I like your picks of Kyle Trask too I don't love the Sam Ellinger pick but I can get behind it but so we're going to wrap this episode up, guys. Uh, we're a day late on this, but we brought you over an hour of just sports rambling, I guess we can call it. Uh, you know, voting still happening on all our brackets. We're wrapping up the best team of all time today as we're recording. So when this comes out, voting will have about six hours left. Go to Instagram at the underscore blue bloods to vote for the best team of all time. It's the 2019 LSU Tigers versus the 01 Miami Hurricanes. You also can vote on Facebook at the blue bloods pod. Uh, link is on there. Twitter also voting on there. It is at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Uh, just go to our profile, find it on there. Uh, go to our website, bluebloodspod.com. Our first mock draft for the Blue Bloods up now. We'll probably release one more before the draft as more information becomes available. Uh, let us know uh, y'all's thoughts on it, everything. We'll be back Monday. More college football content. You guys keep listening. We keep dropping content. So make sure to subscribe. Available everywhere. But for now, we out.